Welcome back, everyone. This is Leading the Field, the podcast from Simon Phillips and the people who are powering us, which is the GC Index. And we'll maybe come back to have a think about the GC Index a little bit later. But I want to introduce you to a really good friend of mine and a long-term connection and somebody who I think has... Uh, for a long time been leading the field in a number of different areas in the work that he does so i want to introduce you to ian cleverton ian how are you doing i'm doing well thanks very much for the invite simon oh my pleasure my pleasure it's lovely to see you ian and i um we go back quite a few years to when i first got started in business there's about 2000 ian about your country can you remember that far back i do actually yes yeah i remember it very well <laughs> Yeah, so I suppose we can't talk about brand names and things like that, but working for a very well-known bank at the time as a relationship manager, and that's how we met, I think. Uh, you were applying to the bank. I just moved into business banking, having been a, a retail branch manager um, yeah. in the northwest of England. Um, so I think it was Altringham that I moved into and uh, was fascinated by the business and what you're aiming to do. And uh, we just kept in contact from there. So, you know, as things move, obviously there were customers that I looked after there. And as my career moved on into other things, you do lose um, contact with customers and the relationships handed over. But we kept the friendship going. I think yeah. it may, mainly down to the fact that we've had, had quite a lot in common in terms of the development of people. And funnily enough, I moved into change management uh, as one <laughs> of my, you know, the, the, the ongoing career uh, things that I do. Yeah, no, it's great. And you couldn't have been more supportive either, which, you know, brand new into business on my own. And to have somebody who was not just there, you know, completing a form and opening up an account for me, but somebody who's actually asking genuinely interested questions was great made me feel like, you know, there was some value in what I was doing. <laughs> no, great. Oh, that's, that's good to know. Yeah, that was great. So, Ian, for the listeners, for the viewers, whenever people are catching up with us for this Leading the Field episode, give us a little bit of background about you. Tell us, of, you know, your origin story. How did you get to where you are today? Oh, gosh, um, how I started off. Well, I grew up in Southport, which is um, on the in the northwest of England on the, uh, on the, on the sea. So, mm. you know, seaside resort and that side of things upbringing very little money in the family and uh, I, I sort of went from there just tried to do my best at school and um, went to university first generation you know first person to go to university uh, in my family uh, went to Bangor University in, in North Wales and um, throughout that time and um, from from a teenage age I've always been involved I've read that wonderful love of music passed on from my sister who's older than me so music is a thread through my life we perhaps talk about that a little bit later but ended up going through university and some might remember the milk round if the people are old enough when uh, you know firms go around and interview and they you know look for graduates and i was lucky to get a job with uh, with lloyd's bank at the time back in 1983 uh, and i stayed with lloyd's for 35 years you know and i think oh that's a double murder sentence um, particularly, you know, working in a bank, you might think. But I actually, when I, t I totaled up the roles that I'd done, I'd done 17 different roles. Uh, and I think that, that's one of the things in a large organisation that uh, often it's a, there's a misconception that, oh, you know, it's a, it'll be Groundhog Day, you're doing the same things. I've had a fantastic career in bank. Uh, you know, I started off working in branches. Uh, and in the end, I was um, leading a team of uh, trainers and um, part of a big change and uh, development. So the 
commercial banking part of, of Lloyd's and um, was transforming the way it did business. So, mm -hmm. for example, yourself, going back to 2000, you want to open a business account, you have to go and see a business manager uh, and, and, and they grow up. Now it can be done online. So, you know, certainly up to, you know, corporate levels, uh, all of that uh, account, you, you fill it in and you start the process online. And mm -hmm. uh, I was involved in the training and developing the, the training for our colleagues. And in that, it's not just a matter of how they change their job but in some cases they felt really threatened because they wouldn't have that initial interaction uh it would all it would all be done on on the internet uh, you know as would be said so so that was it 35 years doing that um i had an opportunity just through family personal reasons i had to take some unpaid leave just to help out a father-in-law who was really ill and during that time i was approached to by manchester metropolitan university and um, there was a, a, a job going and it really meant, because I was traveling London, Edinburgh, I worked in the States for a short while. You know, I was traveling extensively, so I was away from home a lot with Lloyds. Being in the university allowed me to be at home every night and I became a senior lecturer in banking and finance. So I actually, initially, there was imposter syndrome kicked in. Uh, you know, thinking, I'm like, how can I deal with that? I'm not a professor. I've not. I've done a master's degree and learning and development, but yeah, how can I stand in front of students? It was actually quite easy, particularly because I've done the learning, development, and training aspects. I was used to standing on my feet um, in terms of the bank, and absolutely loved it. Come back to that notion of imposter syndrome, and I know you do some work with people in thinking about careers and all that sort of stuff. And quite often, when I'm talking to people who are considering it a shifting career later in life and and they you know they might want to do something dramatically different what holds them back is thinking about imposter syndrome but in your particular instance there i guess it's recognizing that they approached you because you know for a very specific reason you had some skills and some experience and some knowledge in areas that they felt would be valuable in their space and so it's like that can probably you know, help you move through that thought process of imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I was approached by an, a colleague who worked at the university as a senior lecturer who had worked in Lloyd's and, uh, you know, uh, knew of me and I suppose knew of the capabilities that I had within the organisation. Uh, uh, so that helped. And then I had to go through the interview process with the dean and the panel and all of that. But that went great, you know, and I thought at that stage, you know, having sort of... A, left Lloyd's and then went to the university I, even so at that stage I thought really you know actually you know it, it's not colleagues in the organization this is 18 year old first year uh, yeah. you know, and talking about the organization and also picking up things such as ethics that you know yeah okay I, hopefully I've operated in an ethical manner in my career but I had to then learn the theory and then be convincing about the theory. So that was where some of the imposter syndrome came in, thinking, you know, I, I am not a, a professor of ethics or anything like that. But si simply what I had to rest on was that I've been doing the job. So whenever you got to a situation of, uh, you know, you think, well, actually, uh, I always had a story to be able to back up the theory, if you like, just based on the experience. How long was that transition? How many, you know, did you have a, a, a big gap between finishing one job and starting another? No, it was six months. 
Um, I took six months unpaid leave just to help with, you know, various, with the family and so on. And obviously I having had a little bit of a sense, I'd been at the university to have a look round and get a feel for it. And it, you know, it felt comfortable. It felt the right thing to do. You know, having 35 years for the same organization, you know, there's a pension that goes with that as well, but to meet the leap and cut off from that, that almost sort of emphasized the imposter syndrome. Am I going to be too worthy of it? But you know, it was a great thing, mainly from the family's perspective, because it meant I could be home every night. Um, as I, you know, was which was the key aim uh, at the time, but you know, thoroughly enjoyed the, the job. Yeah, and I know um, you've now started off in your own business, and we'll come back to that um, after the break. But I just wanted to weave in a little bit about your new understanding of the GC Index, which we we've gone through recently, where it emerged that you've got tons and tons of energy for implementer, getting things done, making things happen. Uh, in fact, you scored a 10 out of 10 on uh, on Implementer, backed up by strategists. So purely pragmatic in in approach, according to the numbers. Um, so maybe you could share a little bit about how that came to life, if you like, throughout your career. Where, where were you most comfortable? Where did you add the most value, do you believe, from your perspective? Thinking about those particular energies of Implementer and strategists. Yeah, and I think the energies, you know, there's massive positives in that. Uh, when I saw the scores, it, it was me all over. Uh, it was absolutely a case. And I think just leading into that in doing the questionnaire, which would, didn't take that long, it was mm. the most important thing was not to overthink it. It's just to watch your reaction. Uh, and that was something that I did. And that certainly played into the scores. It was interesting because in probably two thirds of my career, thinking about how the Lloyds, career that I've had. I've been in a line management situation, probably three quarters mm. of it actually. Um so, you know, you can think, okay, you know, you need to be more of a leader. Um, you know, you are managing a team. But in terms of what was doing, the bank overall has strategy. You know, there's always a medium term plan. Um there's objectives to set every three years. And there's a very clear description about the job you need to do. So whilst there were elements that I did have to be creative about and think of different ways of doing things, certainly in the learning and development area, you still ultimately are working on behalf of somebody else. So the implementer is something that has taken years of development. That, you know, if that makes sense, is that I've always been in a situation where I probably had to follow rules and I've had to perform a particular task that's been set by somebody else. Mm. And, and that for you you know, assuming the implementer had always been there, if you like, in your profile, that for you would have felt really comfortable because having all of that structure, having very clear strategy, knowing what the specific objectives are that you're, you're being set would have just set you free to bring all of your energy to your day-to-day -day tasks of just getting things done and delivering things. That was the message that kept popping out of your profile when, for me, when we were reading it, it was just this like, rely on Ian, he can deliver what you're after. And as I said to you, that's always been my perspective of you as well. If you say you're going to do something, you do it. Yeah, uh, there was a phrase in the, when we talked about the results there, leading by example, uh, that was me to a T. I always wanted to make sure, I wanted to be one of those leaders that could prove I could do the job. And if I expected somebody else to do it, then you know I needed to be able to do it myself. There's a downside to that in that it means that, you know, particularly if there's something that you enjoy doing 
um, it might be that you're not as good at delegating it. I think that came out of the feedback as well in terms of the implementer is sometimes it's, yeah, I'll do it, I, I, particularly if it's something that you enjoy doing. But it's two problems with that. Firstly, you know, you you very tight for time. So yeah. it's something I've always been, there's always been a to-do list and there's always been things left at the end of the at the end of the day but also it can mean that you don't delegate enough as well and therefore others aren't learning the same way so yeah 10 great you know it was me to a t um interesting but that 10 has its issues yeah absolutely right you know it, it's a it's a great thing to have so much energy in in a specific area but the downsides are, are there as well equally we can have a really low score in an area and think oh does that mean i've got no energy for that but there's pluses and minuses there. And in your instance, for example, did game changer scores one of your lowest? And the plus side of that is that you're not easily distracted. You know, you, you if you've got something to do, you're quite happy to put something aside and come back to it later. Uh, How has that helped you, you know, going through your career? A lot, actually, because I suppose certainly the latter part of the career, um, I was a lot of the work, although I was actually, actually you know, managing a team, that team was distant. Uh, and there's only a small team as well. Often a lot of what I did was individual work. I'm um, just thinking of some of the training design that I did in some, some of the programs and change management programs that I worked on. It was mm -hmm. just me. Um, although I might be line managing other people, they weren't actually directly working for me. So there's this element of being self-sufficient, you know, so that you'd meet with those, you'd have a you know, coaching discussion, a catch up every so often, but the focus of the day job in certain cases at that time was just down to me. So that's where probably, you know, that I was less of a uh, having to be a team player and think about them all. It's just I was certainly getting the job done with what I needed to do, and mm. I think that 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 was more relevant in the latter part of my my. Also, the other bit perhaps we'll talk about in a minute is what I'm currently doing is where I am my own boss. <laughs> Yeah, I'm solely responsible for it. So, you know, I need to look at everything. And this is where it helping me for the future, really. This has been a really good anchored time, if you like, for me to mm. consider my strengths and, and things I need to work. Yeah. The question I was going to ask you was in that sense of not being easily distracted. So you you had a job to do there at the bank, which was to change the way, if you like, that business accounts were managed. And from a, from a customer's perspective, it felt like we were losing something when we didn't have that personal connection with our, with our sort of um, relationship manager. Um, I'm just imagining that there would have been a fair bit of feedback and noise like that around the activities that you were doing. Well, my, my assumption is you were, you were quite effective at just putting that aside as being something that somebody else needs to worry about strategically, you're just getting on with delivering the the business objective, which is to transform the way that that activity is done. Yes, absolutely. I think that the major issues that I saw, because um, we had focus, customer focus groups when we first started saying, well, we're moving this online because that was the way that the whole industry was going really. And actually makes a lot of sense because it yeah. allows create, you know, it allows a relationship manager more time to be able to speak to existing clients and talk about you know, loans and finance and so on. In terms of dealing with the customers, that was somebody else's role to do the focus groups. Where I did face issues was with the, my colleagues. Um, so the colleagues that I was training and um, because they felt threatened that their jobs were going. So part yeah. of my role was to be able to put that to, uh, to, to deal with that. Having said that, 
whilst I had to deal with that in a training session, ultimately that was down to their area directors, regional directors to get the message across. And in yeah. some of those cases, even those leaders at that high level sometimes didn't agree with what was going on. Um, mm. But they had, but again, they were working towards the bank strategy. So that was something that ultimately I had no control over. I just had to focus on making sure that I got the message across and the benefits over to them as effectively as I could. Yeah. And, and, and as I say, your your profile, because it was you know so strong on just getting things done, I should imagine you just being able to f have that focus and say, no, that's not, that's almost like it's brilliant skill to have as a manager of change because there's always scope creep in any project that you do. Oh. And, and you know, you just wouldn't have had any particular, you know, based on the numbers, you wouldn't have had a lot of patience for that. You would have just been like, no, that's that's phase two if it's going to happen at all. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's been years since I've heard the phrase scope creep. Uh, yeah. You've just brought it all back to me. There was plenty sorry of that. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but equally, you know, uh, that was something that I had my focus. I had using the phrase you know to implement I, I knew my role very clearly and what i needed to do and hopefully was effective at it yeah brilliant ian we've got to that point where we better have a little bit of a break and give give our uh, our friends and colleagues who are listening an opportunity for a quick comfort break so we're gonna have a couple of minutes and then we'll be right back and i want to hear all about what you're doing now Welcome back, everyone. This is Leading the Field with me, Simon Phillips, and my special guest, Ian Cleverdon. We've been exploring how Ian's uh, natural energy for getting things done has driven a lot of the activity in his career. Um, took him from banking into uh, lecturing, and then all of a sudden he decides he's going to set up his own business and give himself a whole load of new headaches. So <laughs> all over the DC index proclivities. So because when you, I mean, you've probably found this already. And when you start your own business, you've got to be able to do everything across the whole business process. And most definitely. And I think in setting up the business, I've been fortunate then in my banking career. I've been well, like yourself. And we talked about that at the beginning of the podcast. Um, helped a lot of people start their businesses uh, through helping with coaching and talking and advice. And uh, it's really different when the table's turned and it's down to you and, you know, you're thinking financially, uh, you know, you're setting your new business up. But that was a help in seeing how other businesses have done things in different approaches. But yes, um, a big thing. So what I'm doing now, um, I've talked about music at the sort of the start of it. Throughout my career, music's been a hobby, um, you know, and it's a, on a semi-professional basis as well. So I'm a guitarist. Um, I play various string instruments. I've written um, several uh, songs. I've done a couple of uh, instrumental albums um, all over a period of time. I've played in uh, bands, uh, you know, at weekends and, you know, sort of a, a spare time really and done a lot of work for charity, as they say, um, using those skills because I had a full-time salary. Uh, it's allowed me to, to use those skills and have fun doing it as well. Yeah, That's now turning into this business. So the, my business is called Corona Sound. That's K-A-R-O-N-A. Uh, and there's two aspects to it. So one is to do um, composition for film, TV, um, jingles, um, podcast, 
uh, theme tunes. Anybody's interested, you know, contact me about that. Um, <laughs> but um, also, one of the, the the thing that I'm working on mainly at the moment is um, a podcast series called Half Hour Mentor. It's like, how did that come about? Well, the university we often have guest lectures of uh, alumni or you know various leaders that come in and share how they got to where they are. Yeah. In lockdown. We couldn't do that, as you can, as I'm sure everybody would appreciate. So I just had this idea because uh, I, I was also an employability lead for our department, so mm. working on careers and giving advice to some students with interviews and so on. And um, I had the idea of doing some guest lectures online, and I called it 20 Minutes With, and it was purely internal within the university. And But in 20 minutes, and sometimes it stretched to 30, was just having a quick view of somebody's um, career. And you know, it's almost like a sort of you know pocket-sized um, mentor, if you like, yeah. in a way. So, so that then transformed and thought actually, this when I looked at what was because I'm a big podcast fan. When I looked at what's available uh, on the marketplace, there's a lot of US uh, versions of types of things like that, but there was nothing that was UK-based or that had a particular focus. So, long story short. Uh, spoke to the university they agreed to sponsor that was manchester met they agreed to sponsor the first series which is is out there now 10 episodes uh, and it's interviewing people from a wide variety of backgrounds about where they got where they how they started off what brought mm. them to doing the job they do and and also and more importantly what issues and challenges they've had along the way and it was that that caught my eye actually because the you know obviously i knew because we've been friends i knew where you were doing various bits and pieces and then all of a sudden the the half hour mentor um, was up uh, on social media and it's like oh this is interesting because like you i seen that there was a bit of a dearth in terms of you know real support but, and and insights i think that's there's always things you can read there's always things you can study and you know but what you're providing through the mentors that you get through the doors is that real insight and personal experience to give the listener a sense of, you know, ah, that's what's possible. That's what I could do if I follow that line of inquiry. And I think I, it was one of the reasons I wanted you on to get you onto the podcast, because you're really leading the field in terms of showing people what's possible in that space. And as you say, the target audience are that younger generation who are just sorting it all out in their heads at the moment, what they're going to do next. Yes, definitely. I mean, you know, you think, well, who do you speak to in terms of, of that? Particularly to try and keep it, you know, that it's the clues in the title about half an hour is to keep the interview to 30 minutes yeah. and how much you can get in that. So um, whilst the university sponsored the first series, there's obviously wanted quite a few connections within that. So the dean of the business school, Professor Hannah Holmes, for example, who's, well, I'm sure she won't mind me saying, but is very early 40s. And, you know, to have a, that, that type, you know, a female, uh, at that age as a professor and in charge of a business school you would think crikey that is uh, you know how did you get into that particular mm. stage um uh, andy burnham uh, mayor of greater manchester so he's a, he's episode three and you know often some people I'd, i would hear students say i'd like to get into politics how would you do that andy shares that on his podcast but uh, with a really great insight so that, that's the important thing you have to but also have a widespread Whilst I worked in the accounting, finance and banking department of the, of the uh, business school, uh, it's good to have a, a, a wider knowledge of just not just those that work within a university or work within finance. Uh, mm -hmm. And 
the, the journeys have been fascinating, you know, and I think that's, that in the future, that's where I'll, you know, I'll branch it out to look at a lot of different types of careers. And, and to, everybody's got a very similar message is, you know, that they didn't know what they wanted to do when they were a teenager, for example. You know, very few did, or some some had a really set idea of what they wanted to do, and then it changed because they, yeah. in, often as we use in the uh, podcast, you get to a fork in the road. So you know, which way do I go, and that will dictate the way that your professional career, but also therefore, you know, your personal life can go too. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who are, um, you know, wanting a, a quick testimonial. You did the music. I don't know if you can remember this. You did the music for my um, my first online course way back in was that 2010, something like that. Uh, it was certainly quite a few years ago. And the idea of you know an online course with background music, as you know, that was all quite original at the time. But that that was that was another example to me of where you just you say you know when you say yes, you're going to do something, and it was done before i'd even had time to think about it <laughs> you know it was, it was just brilliant um so i mean I, i've listened to a few of the episodes of, of half our mentor i just think it's fabulous but how can um how can other people find it ian you said you've finished the first series now yes so uh, you can search uh, you can go to halfhourmentor.com um or search for at half hour mentor on all the social uh, socials i'm not on tiktok but facebook instagram twitter and there are links to uh, all of the uh, the episodes there. Um, if you go to halfhourmentor.com um, to the website, there's the, all of the episodes there. It's on Apple, um, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, you know, all the usual uh, sort of outlets, if you like, for that. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Ian, we're sort of uh, coming to the close of this interview, but... Um, what I like to do is get a record from people to add to the Leading the Field playlist, which will also be available on Spotify, etc. So is there a record that springs to mind if I ask you um, for your contribution, what a record maybe inspires you or something that's been along with you on the journey? Uh, what one comes to mind? Oh, this is the most difficult question of them all because being involved in music all, all the time I, you know the, the favorite song changes uh, all the time i think the one that probably resonates most with me is uh wichita lineman uh, by it's glenn written campbell. by jimmy webb yeah glenn campbell sang it it's written by jimmy webb and uh mainly because it's it's a if anybody looks into it or knows it's an unfinished song um it was it was never actually finished and there's all sorts of theories about it, but the the story, if you every time I hear that that story, I get something different from it, mm. and you know that that's it. You can listen to a piece of music many many times, and it has that's it. It's got a certain feel to it. You know, I mean, how many ta how many interpretations of the birdie song are there? I don't know. Uh, hopefully, probably not that many. Uh, but Wichita Lineman, if you listen to the words and you you understand from that person who's singing it, you know, the, the lineman himself, you hear about the, the family, the person that's behind it all. There are so many different aspects to it. So I'll go with Wichita Lyman. Glenn Campbell sings it. Jimmy Webb wrote it. Yeah, love it. Thank you, Ian. That uh, make a, a brilliant addition to the playlist. I'm looking forward to adding that one and listening to it yet again because I think it's one of those songs that accompanied me as I grew up as well. My mum was a big fan of, uh, of Glenn Campbell, so I listen to a lot of his music growing right. up yeah 
brilliant ian what a pleasure to spend some time with you today on the on the show um anything else you'd like to share with the listeners in terms of you know how they can get in touch if they're interested in their own jingle or you working with them maybe on on some you know significant compositions what is it that how can people get hold yeah so the best thing is uh, if you can go to you've obviously got a link to the half hour mentor we talked about before but i've uh, corona which is k-a-r-o-n-a coronasound.co.uk you can contact me there or ian at coronasound.co.uk uh, i'm very I'm working on i've actually worked on a, an online game recently uh, so I've written the soundtrack for that, which that's due to go, uh, the, the game is due to go live anytime. So there'll be an original soundtrack for that coming out. Um, but jingles, um, you know, I've done podcast jingles for people, anything soundtrack wise, if you need music specifically, do contact me. And equally, you know, if you feel perhaps have, you listen to the episodes of the podcast and you feel either you know somebody who would be great as a guest on that or perhaps yourself even, then please do drop me a note and we can have a chat wonderful thank you very much that was ian cleverden here as a amazing guest on leading the field podcast with me simon phillips stay tuned for more next week until then stay safe and keep well